The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. ...was being stirred when he was still in Egypt to actually rise up and to do something for his people, the Hebrews, the Israelites, to do something for them. But he was brought up in Pharaoh's palace. And although he went to protect and help his people, that meant that he got thrown out of Egypt or he ran for his life from Egypt. So you just imagine this guy has spent 40 years in Egypt and he's spent the last 39 of those, maybe a few of them that, in the palace of Pharaoh. He was living in luxury. Who wants to leave luxury? <laughs> no, I like luxury. He liked luxury. He could have had servants bring him all the things that he wanted. But things went wrong and he had to come out of that. And here we are 40 years after that. So at least now that pain is a distant memory. I've got over that. But you know, imagine I'm Moses now. You know what my job is now? I'm a shepherd looking after somebody else's sheep. I had everything. I have nothing. I'm just a shepherd. And my task is to wander around the neighborhoods, well, not really the neighborhoods, the, the wastelands, looking for food for these sheep to look after. And they're not, they're not mine, they're my father-in-law's sheep. And I'm out there day after day, night, cold, warm, hot, rough, whatever it is. That's my life, 40 years. I've been doing that. I say that because we have to get a picture of what it was like for him. Because on this particular day, he sees a bush that's burning. And as I understand it, there is fire and that that can come to bushes in the desert places because of the heat. There can be combustion and things can be set alight. So it wasn't a, wow, that's never happened before. But what was interesting and what took Moses' attention in this case was that the bush didn't get consumed. The fire was there and the fire kept burning, but the bush didn't disappear. It kept burning. And it's because of that, it caused him to turn his attention and say, what is going on here? And as he turns his attention towards this burning bush, so God encounters him. And he says, Moses, Moses. And he starts to talk to Moses about the things that he wants him to do. Exodus 3 verse 9, it says this. And this is God speaking to Moses from the bush. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. Sometimes when I read that, I think, about time. <laughs> it's been a long while they've been calling out. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now, even when I say it's been a long while, God knows. But there came a time when God wanted to act. You know, in our own circumstances, don't you feel the same as them? It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a long while. You see, God does know, and there is a time when God says, now is the time that I want to act. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, so now go, I am sending you, who, me? 
the shepherd? The one who left Egypt? You want to send me back? I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. The encounter was full of the instruction of what God wanted to do. Now, we, or many of us, have read the story in Exodus of this whole thing, of the story of Moses and how he came about, and this story of the burning bush, and how he leads the people out, how he does that, how he fulfills what God wants him to do. And so you sort of dismiss it, but if we stop and think for a moment, this is God breaking in and saying, right, now, in the history of the world, this is what I, God, have decided now, and I need my man to come and to lead these people out. The encounters that we have with God are often directional encounters from the point of view that God speaks into our lives and tells us things that he wants us to do. So encounters should not be pushed aside or not be overlooked because they're important times. And it's not only that encountering God as in he is giving his instructions. In encounters also, God brings revelation. He likes to reveal more about himself. So that as you meet him, and it's quite the same for us, if you have a friend and you meet them every now and again, perhaps there's somebody at the office and a new colleague and you get on with them and so you go out for a coffee and over a coffee you hear a little bit about their life and then maybe the next week you have another coffee together and you build and you build on information about that person's life. You're sharing life stories, you're finding out about their family, perhaps where they were brought up and all this sort of stuff. You gain more understanding. It's like that with God. As we encounter God, God wants to reveal himself. He wants to bring a revelation to us. He wants us to understand who he is. And for Moses, we saw this encounter at the burning bush. There was instruction about what I want you to do. I want you to go and take my people out of Egypt. I go to Pharaoh and bring my people out of Egypt. Take them out of their captivity. But then God wanted to reveal himself in another encounter. And this was after Moses had been up Mount Sinai and he had been there getting the instructions of the Ten Commandments and he'd come back down. And as he'd come down the mountain with all the instructions of God, this is what God... It's almost like he's about to say, this is what God wants us to do. And there's the Israelites and they're worshipping an idol that they've made out of gold and they're all dancing around. and So the tablets of stone get broken because Moses is so distressed. And after that, he goes back up the mountain to meet with God. But as he goes up the mountain and meets with God this second time, God says, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock and I'm going to let my glory pass by so that you can understand more about who I am. And on this occasion, it says in Exodus 34, it says that he, that is God, passed in front of Moses proclaiming Yahweh the Lord the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. And the result of Moses experiencing that revelation was that it says that Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. We could go through many, many encounters that there are in the scriptures that people have had with God. What comes to mind is that Isaiah, if you're reading the book of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 6, it says, in the year that King Isaiah died. So something that locked in his memory. It says, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. 
he had one of these encounters. Whether it was a vision or whether it was actual encounter with God, I don't know. But there was something that happened. And this prophet Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. I saw his train and it filled the temple. So the picture he had was of the temple of God. And in the temple of God, there was God himself. And God had this train. And this train was representing his authority, his position, his glory. And Isaiah was struck with the the, the, the wonder of God, really, the holiness of God. Totally overcome. You see, when we have encounters, revelation of who God is comes to us. It's not that Isaiah, in this case, hadn't been following God before. He had been. He'd been following him. He'd been worshipping him. He'd been doing things for him. He'd been working for God. That was his task. He was bringing prophetic words on behalf of God. He was God's representative. But now he had seen more of him and he'd received more of a revelation of him. When we encounter God, we receive instructions about what he wants us to do, how he wants us to live. And when we encounter God, he reveals more of his glory to us. That can happen amongst the worship here. We can be singing a song, I exalt you, and there's something that takes place during that time when our hearts suddenly get lifted from having sung a song to lifted to seeing something of the glory of God. And suddenly your heart's moved so you're in a different place. But no, I'm not in a different place. I'm still standing by my chair and I'm singing. But something has changed because his presence comes and when he brings revelation of himself, there's something in your heart that leaps and you gain fresh understanding as he reveals himself to you. These are encounters with God. Oh, but I don't have anything like Moses had. Listen, if God needed to speak to you like he spoke to Moses because he had that task, have no doubt he'd be breaking in and doing it. But let's also be respectful of this. Even God himself didn't meet with Moses as a physical being and an encounter every day. But it does say that he spoke to Moses as a man speaks to a friend face to face. You know, something, uh, this is a bit offline. I'd also, Mark, come and help me here. It's a bit dangerous. But Victoria, even more dangerous, we'll have you up here. No, 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 that was just matching things up. I want one of you to stand here. Mark, please, can you stand here? And I just want you to do something simple. Just, just, yeah. just stand like that, yeah. okay? Just stand like that. And just let your hands touch like that, okay? That's all you've got to do. Just don't worry. See, that, and this, this is, in the Holy of Holies, there's the Ark of the Covenant. This represents the Ark of the Covenant. But over the top were these angels, these cherubs, and they have their wings that touch over the top. So this is how it looks like. And there's this place here. So there's the top of the Ark of the Covenant, but there's this place here. And this place is actually called the Mercy Seat. And this is the place where the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he'd go into this place and there's the Ark of the Covenant and in this place here is where he would speak to God. He would speak to God. You can go and sit down now. Thank you for that, Mark. Thank you for that, Victoria. Just a visual representation of the... But it's in that place above what is called the mercy seat that we can speak to God. And you know what? I say that to visualize it because sometimes in our prayers 
we need to allow our minds to visualize where we are going to. I want to go into the holy of holies. I want to speak with you face to face as Moses spoke to you because we've encouraged, if you read in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, it tells us, and as I'll quote it more accurately by reading it, I will right now. It tells us to go into that place with boldness and with confidence. It says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. This is bearing in mind that it's the high priest alone who could go into that place to represent the Israelites. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. That is Jesus. Let us then approach the throne of grace, come to this mercy seat, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So what's going to happen next week? As we go into next week on Monday, you know, are you going to go to the train and find it cancelled? Is that, you know, that's not a prophetic word, so let's not receive that. We can declare in Jesus' name, no. May every train we go for be there. But, amen. But whatever difficulties that face us, what are we going to do? Are we just going to mope? Are we just going to allow, oh, this is what always happens, allow the heaviness to come on us? Are we going to say, I can go to a place where I can find mercy and grace to meet my hour of need? Whatever is going on. See, God wants to connect with his people. I'm just going to jump, uh, Prab, to the last point. Just, just so you know. This is about the spiritual realm. We understand that God is different from us. God is greater. God is not human. Do we understand that? Jesus is. So there's a representation of God, but God the Father is not human. In fact, it says of this, God is spirit. God is spirit. God is not human. God is spirit from that point of view. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So there's a spiritual part to us. Now, in the Western world, we don't like, well, this is not true. We all know about the word spirit, and we all will take it and receive it. When it comes to believing in that realm is a different matter. We know the words, but the belief in it can be completely different. And this is true. I mean, we say, well, no, I believe in it. Do you? God is spirit. I was thinking this week, in the Bible, at the very beginning, in Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning was God, and he created the heavens and the earth. Who was there in the beginning? God. What is God? God is spirit. The spiritual realm is the realm that has always been. The physical realm came second and was created by him. We are in the physical realm, but we connect to the realm that has always been, which is the spiritual realm, and that is where God is. That is why what we're talking about, coming to somewhere, 
visualizing it because sometimes it helps us to visualize something in our minds because it helps us to give direction. It helps us to say, no, I'm coming to that place because that is where I want to speak with God. We're coming to a place where we are wanting to connect spiritually. A lot of us say, well, the spiritual realm doesn't exist. The spiritual realm does exist. The spiritual realm is the primary realm. That is the realm where God is. We were created second. We spend most of our lives trying to promote ourselves above God because we think that where we are and what we've done and what we're accomplishing is so good, we don't need you. We don't need you. He sustains us from moment to moment and he holds our breath in his hands. That is what the truth is. We want encounters with him, don't we? That means we have to reach from the physical realm into the spiritual realm to make connections. Now, here's the good news. You may have a body, and some of our bodies are not behaving the way that they used to. They're not as thin as they used to be, or whatever. We won't rest on that for a moment. We have bodies, but inside this body, there is a spirit. My spirit. So I have a spirit which means that I can connect with spirits. Hallelujah. But listen to this. When I got saved, you know what God did? He sent his spirit to come into me. Into me. So inside of me, inside of you, there is your spirit and there is the spirit of God. So that when we come to pray, even though we are in the physical realm, we can make connection with the spiritual realm which is where God is. And we want to do that. It's very necessary for us to do that because we need so much from him. And let's go back to point two, going beyond our boundaries. We've been talking about uh, encounters with God and so how God encounters us in terms of uh, in expressing his, uh, his, what he wants us to do, his instructions, and also bringing to us revelation. That's what he does. God encounters not only Moses, but obviously as he goes through the scripture, you will see what I'm talking about briefly as you read with many people. You're seeing like as God meets them or speaks to them, he's doing these things to them. He's, he's giving them instructions or he's revealing something about himself. And if we would go to the beginning of Joshua, we see that uh, there right at the beginning of Joshua, Joshua is being spoken to by, Mo, uh, by God. God is encountering Joshua before he takes the role of taking the children of Israel further than Moses did uh, into the promised land itself. Um, and this isn't what we call a theophany. A theophany, a technical word, a theophany is when God appears physically. So if you like, the burning bush experience was a very physical experience. This was God coming down the, the, uh, in the fire and speaking. Whereas often for us, we don't have theophanies. It's not like physically that God comes, but God speaks. And God wants to speak to every one of us because he loves every one of us. And even now, around the room, and I've said this many times, you're sitting there and some of you are discounting the fact. So right now, I stand against those lies that are being brought to your mind to declare to you Everyone is loved by God. Everyone is loved by him. And he wants relationship with you. So this wasn't a theophany. This wasn't a physical appearing appearance that Joshua had, but God spoke to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. And he said to him, and this is, as I say, this is Moses, the, the chapter, chapter 1 of Joshua starts off by saying, um, 
Moses, my servant, is dead. So it's like, Joshua, if you didn't know, it's time for you to get hold of new things. The old has finished. Moses is dead. Poor chap. You know, we remember him. It's sort of made, when I read this, I sort of think, like, were the children of Israel thinking, like, we've been wondering where he is. Where's he been? We haven't seen him around. He's dead. Oh, okay, now we understand. Joshua, I want you now to lead these people on. I want you to take these people. So he's being encouraged in this. And Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, God speaks to him and he says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead this people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate it on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do you think Joshua got the message that God was trying to put across? Because God, in meeting with him, said it three times. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. This is what I am declaring to you. And in that, there's instruction. And in that, there's revelation. For somebody to be strong, it means that you have to be able to stand. It's not just, you know, go to the gym every day, Joshua. It's not like building your muscles up. It's that sense of being strong means you are able to take your ground against adversity. When the going gets tough, you don't get pushed back. You are remaining. Now, be strong. Because sometimes it's going to take that type of strength, that type of tenacity, that type of fortitude. That's what it means by being strong. Courageous. Courageous or to have courage is the quality that enables you as an individual to face difficulty, to face danger, to face pain without fear. That's what being courage, that's what courage is. It enables you not only to stand, I'm being strong, I'm standing my ground, and fear is not going to dominate me, even though difficulties are coming against me, even though pain may be coming against me, confusion or whatever it is, those things are not going to put me off because I'm standing with courage in God. And Joshua was told, you're going to need this. Now, you know what? We do not need courage or strength when we remain in our comfort zone. It's only when you are going to go and take new ground that you actually have to take this in. And that suddenly made me realize, you know what, it's true. If I'm going to take new ground, which is what God wants for every one of us, because he wants us to claim the ground where we place our feet, he wants us to take that ground for him, to take territories for him. But you know what I find? I find safety in my own just little zone. Last week I went to a a conference and it was a, one of these global leadership conferences from Willow Creek, a friend of mine in uh, Petswood, Tim Akinlui, who some of you know, he was hosting the conference and he asked me to go down there. So I went down there and I was listening to these leaders giving talks about leadership and stuff. Very good. It was a very encouraging day I had down there. And I was listening to one guy, a guy called Craig Groeschel, who was talking about leadership 
and he was leading his church and leading a team of people, and he was talking about the importance of valuing people and appreciating people and how we need to go about it. I thought, this is good. I, I, must, I can learn things from this. And he just said a line. You know how somebody, somebody says a line, and it, it sort of just nudges you. So he was saying, when it comes to appreciating people and acknowledging people, you need to think about you know, what you want to do. And then he said this, and double it. Now, that made me feel uncomfortable. Because often, you know, like, for me, if I, I, like, I like to appreciate people. I like to honour people. Even if you don't think I do, I do. I do. Now, let just hear me out. Hear me out. But you know what I've found within myself is, within myself there's a limitation. And that limitation comes like this. It says, look, in life, and I don't know where it's come from, it's one of those things that's just come about in my life you tend to want to speak the truth. So I really appreciate what people do, but if they haven't really done a, a great job, can you hear me? Well, how can we say, hey, that's a great job, when it, you know. <laughs> you understand what I mean? But there's another side to that, isn't there? And that's the side of the person trying to do a great job who also has a need for affirmation and appreciation and encouragement. So what takes priority? And you see, and what this man was saying is saying like, you need to think of things not just from your perspective, but you need to think it from other people's perspective. Okay, that's over the threshold. That, and as I thought of that, I thought, now listen, some people here may think like, yeah, I, I understand that. Others of you say, I've no, I've no understanding of that at all. Don't understand what you're, what's the matter with you? We can appreciate anybody for anything. But within me, there's a, well, hang on a second. Have they done a good job? Did they reach what we hoped for? Was that the standard we were looking for? Was it really falling short? Why should I embrace and say something when it's really fallen short? What? You understand? What are the limitations that you face? Perhaps it's saying to your children that you love them. Oh, I don't have a problem with that. My dad had a problem with that. Because something in his past never trained him in that way. I don't have a problem with it because I know that I want to declare it. But what are the limitations that you face? Sometimes it's not that, oh, I want to be the greatest evangelist. What are the limitations that you face in being able to take the ground a little bit further? Whatever those limitations are, as soon as you come up to it, it causes you to have the need of strength and courage. And that's what God was revealing to Joshua in the encounter he had with him at this very beginning, as it were, of his, his own ministry. If you want to go further, then it's going to take strength and courage. For me, I came home from that conference and I said to Helen, Helen, I want to say something to you. So Helen says, oh, what's this? And then starts talking to me. I says, this case, I need you to be silent. <laughs> Right now, and this sounds silly, for me at this point was strength is needed and courage is needed because I needed to say, I know, and I didn't do a very good job of it, but at least I said this, I know that I don't always say all that I need to say, but I appreciate you. Because sometimes we need to do that. 
Now, I was just thinking, that's for me, and okay, there's still a long way to go, okay? <laughs> Let's be honest, I'm not talking about perfection, I'm talking about making a small step. But can I speak to you, what small step is God asking you to take that is going to take strength and courage? Is it actually that step of you have now decided the person that you find most difficult, you are going to make that extra effort through God's strength and love to actually approach them and to be kind to them in a new way. That takes strength and courage, and it's taking new ground. Or maybe it's that you're going to forgive that person who you've just forgotten about and you don't want to ever see again, but you know, I'm going to bring this to an end. Because for you to bring something to an end that's been a difficulty for you, it's like you haven't got any words. Because it's all embarrassment, and I don't know what to say, and I don't know what to do. The ladies' breakfast, Helen Dennis was giving some testimony in her own life about a situation with her mum. She hadn't spoken to her mum, and she'd been encouraged through being in church here that I've got to do something about this. And so she had to face that fear, stand firm and take courage to say, okay, I'm going to go and see my mum. And you know, so on the way there, she's expressing the fact about, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? You see, it takes courage real courage. It's because you're having to face your fears head on. You're having to go against something. You're taking new ground. For Helen, when she went to the front door of her mum and the door opened, there was just tears. So there was no need for words because God had gone ahead. Praise him for that. But she may have had to have said, Mum, I have come here today to say... You know, you've got to start somewhere. Or do you want to stay in your comfort zone? Because you know what? In the comfort zone, I can listen to anybody preaching about being strong and courageous. Even being strong and very courageous. I can listen to it all day long. Because as I stay in my comfort zone, it does not affect me one bit. But God, when he encounters Joshua... He knew what it was going to take for him to take new territory. If we want to take new territory in our lives, we are going to have to be strong and very courageous. And we're going to have to come up against the things that maybe limit us, that hold us back. Take hold of them and move forward in them. How do we do this? I've got two very quick points. And uh, then, guys, you can, you can come up here anyway if you want. How do we do this? Firstly, we need to reflect on who God is. Can I encourage you all, all of the time to reflect upon who God is? When we come to worship, the whole idea of our worship is that the words that we are singing, caught up in the environment of God's presence being with us, help us to remember who God is that we're worshipping. He is Alpha and Omega. He is beginning and end. He is the uncreated one. He is the everlasting God. He is the one who can do all things. And he has set his love and his affection upon each one of us because while we were still sinners, he saw our desperate need of salvation. And he sent his son Jesus to come to this earth to live as a man so that he could provide the sacrifice of his life to set us free. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. We need to reflect upon what, who God is, what he is doing, the salvation that he has brought, the fact that he loves us, 
Meditate often on the fact that God loves you. Take every opportunity to remind yourself. Because if you're thick-skinned like me, it takes a long while. It's still, I still do this. I still take the time to meditate on the fact that God loves me. Yes, even with the mistakes that I can see in my life, even with the, the, the lack of performance, he is great at bringing that encouragement. He is great at bringing that sense of you know, worth to our lives. But so many other things want to take it away. So many other more beautiful, more lovely, more able, more whatever type people. They seem to be all around us. And sometimes we're sitting there feeling isolated and alone. God loves us. This is another one of the aspects we need to meditate on. Reflect upon who God is. This helps us to go beyond our boundaries. It gives us strength because we're gaining strength and courage from what we see in God. And secondly, not just reflecting on who God is, but reflecting on what God has done. Reflecting on what he has done. He gives help in impossible situations. Yesterday morning at the prayer meeting, we were just reading a passage of Scripture, and we were reading Exodus 14, 13. This is Moses bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. He's got them out. They come out of, uh, of Egypt itself, and now they're going in the wilderness, and they've come to this place where there's the sea. They have the sea ahead of them. Well, okay, we're going to need to work out how, what's going to happen, what we're going to do. But as they turn around, they have the army of Egypt coming after them. Now, this is where having Bible knowledge is really unhelpful because I want to take you right to this place. We need to place ourselves where they were. We've managed to escape, but now we haven't because he's coming after us. The enemy is pursuing me. And they've got chariots, and they've got swords, and they are intent upon destroying us. Where are we going to go? You know, that's how we often feel when we're right up against something. This has happened in the office. This has happened at home. I've had an argument here. My children are running off here. Nothing's happening. The bills can't get paid. There is panic and torment that comes against us, just like they felt that the enemy has come against me. I don't know the way out. And this is why we need suddenly to remember these stories, because the Israelites were in that place. They were afraid. That's how they felt. That meant inside they were panicking. Inside they felt, I don't know what is going to happen. My end has come. That is how they were feeling. But Moses, when he heard the people were like this, answered them. Exodus 14, 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. But you're joking. Can you see what's going on? And see, this is what we have to tell ourselves. Because your mind will be telling you everything that's going on in your life. Every problem that's coming against you. Every person that's hurt you. They'll remember their names. They'll remember the circumstances. They'll remember this. They'll remember that. It's all coming against your mind. But you have to say to your mind, do not be afraid. You have to declare it to yourself. Stand firm, said Moses, and you will see, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. Now suddenly it's great that we know the story. It's great because God says to Moses, raise up your staff. 
And in the midst of that situation, as he raises his staff up, so the impossible starts to change. And God makes a way where there was no way, where there was no way he made a way for his people to go through. Now, what does making a way where there was no way seem to you? It's like, I don't know how to phone that person. I don't know how to make contact. And suddenly something happens, or they send an email to you, or they've contacted you, or you've got a reason, another reason to speak to them. Something happens. You think like, well, suddenly a way was made where there didn't seem to be any way. That's God breaking into the circumstances. It's not that you actually saw the water or the tea in your teacup dividing or something like that. Because we're looking for the miracle, and in us looking for the miracle, sometimes we miss what God is actually doing. God hears, God knows, God answers, because he is for us, not against us. We need to reflect on who God is. We need to reflect on what God has done. We need to remember how good he is and what he can do for us so that we can trust in him. We need to go to that place, that mercy seat. We need to remember that God is spirit, that we are in the human flesh and affected by the flesh, but inside of us is the spirit of us and the spirit of God, and they can make connection. We need to gaze upon that mercy seat because that is where I'm going, to meet with God, to find fresh grace, fresh mercy for my hour of need. I'm going to meet with him. These are encounters with God.